0: Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindley Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it.
1: My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too.
0: Visit KindleyAtAsbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider.
1: Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect
0: Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about covering all levels of the miners to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 12 of the Fantrax Prospect Tool Shed with and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I am your host, Eric Cross, and joining me, as always, in the Tool Shed is my esteemed co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris,
1: what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Eric? It's another great night talking to prospects. Talked a little outfield last week, obviously a ton of talent, so back at tonight, a lot of guys to talk about. Looking forward to it. Yeah, there, there was no way we were fitting everything in one
0: uh, one episode last week, less it was going to be like a three-hour episode. So we ended up dividing it into two, and there's still plenty of good names to talk about tonight. We'll get to our usual breakouts and some of the 2020 draft class and J2 guys and a lot of really intriguing guys to talk about tonight. But before we get into all that, some of the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at Clegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. We always appreciate those ratings and reviews and they mean a lot. And some personal and fan tracks plugs here. Check out the draft kit. It's a uh, full swing right now. We put that out starting on uh, last Monday. Uh, we got a lot of consensus rankings, breakout, sleepers, bus, strategy, mock drafts, player, deep dives, uh, a lot of good stuff in there and, We'll just keep on adding more and more to that every day. Like we got uh, two or three articles a day coming out this week, and that'll be probably the routine uh, for the next two or three months here up until opening day in the beginning of April. So make sure you check that out every day. And uh, for Chris and I personally, uh, I've been diving into a lot of pitchers over the last week. Uh, I've had a a sleepers article for starting pitchers, uh, some breakouts. Basically basically all the young guys going over the – Rookies from last year that struggled, like the Pearsons and the Pekisi Mises and stuff. Um, wrote an article about all of them. Did some starting pitcher bust that came out yesterday. Uh, and and later this week, I will have at least two articles, maybe three, depending on how long it goes. I might split up hitters into infield and outfield. But uh, the top rookies that could debut this year. Um, for Chris, he's got some ADP risers and fallers articles coming out this uh, this week, which is always interesting after the shortened Season last year is a lot of guys going up and down uh, ADPs, and he'll have third base sleepers as well. And then, all obviously check out our other great podcast we have. We have a lot of great podcasts on the Fantrax Network. Uh, my other podcast, Five Tool, with Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roche. We have SP Streamer, Triple Play. They have all three of their baseball, basketball, and football on campus kick around, fantasy hockey life, and IDP. All right, Chris, let's get into it, but. Let's, let's start by recapping last week, just so no one's confused as to why we're not talking about this guy or that guy. So a quick recap here of our top 20 consensus from last week. We started out with Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez at the top. Then the rest of the top 10 was Dylan Carlson, Christian Robinson, Austin Martin, Corbin Carroll, Jason Dominguez, Brennan Davis, Zach Veen, and Alex Kirloff. And then 11 through 20 was Riley Green, Trevor Larnick, Alec Thomas, Garrett Mitchell, Brendan Marsh, Randy uh, Arena, George Valera, Drew – I couldn't address this – George Valera, Drew Waters, Eric Pena, and Austin Hendrick rounded out our top 20. Now, moving past the top 20 and on to – we'll talk a lot of guys from really the 21 to 60 range and then add the breakouts in at the end. Uh, let's do our personal ranks here as we do every show. Uh, we'll start with our 21 through 40 here, and then we'll do 41 through 60 after the
1: break. So, Chris, who is your personal 21 through 40 in the outfield? All right. So a, couple, a guy that multiple people will ask about last week. JJ Blade coming in 21. Josh Lowe 22. Austin Hendrick, for me, it was 23. We know he's in the consensus top 20. Uh, Hunter Bishop 24. Christian Pache 25. Then we got Pete Crow Armstrong, Mycel or Urbina, Helio Ramos, Robert Hassel III, Hedbert Perez, Luis Matos, Luis Rodriguez, Jared Oliva, Isaiah Green alexander canario harry alberto hernandez jaron duran jordan adams heston kerstad and cameron meisner about you for me i also
0: start with jj bladet all of my top 20 were on the consensus I kind of worked out weird that way Uh, so i start with jj bladet at 21 pico armstrong christian pache taylor trammell robert hassel at 25 hunter bishop heston kerstad harry alberto hernandez hiliot ramos Isaiah Green at 30, and then 31 through 40, Josh Lowe, Hudson Head, Luis Matos, Hedbert Perez, Misael Urbina, Bayron Laura, Jaron Duran, Luis Rodriguez, Jordan Adams, and Seth Beer. All right, Chris, let's get right into it here. Let's start with a couple guys near the top. We'll get to Bladet here in a minute. Like you mentioned, a lot of people asked about him and his uh, exclusion from the top 20 last week. But let's start with a couple guys that were bona fide top 20 guys kind of going into 2020, 2018, 2019, we're definitely up there. But they've kind of fallen a bit. And that's both Taylor Trammell and Christian Pache. Christian, why don't you start with Pache? Now that's down your neck of the woods. He's from your Atlanta Braves. Uh, why don't you just give a little bit of info on Pache, why he's kind of fallen, and what, what what can we expect here moving forward?
1: Yeah, so Christian Pache has been training in the wrong direction for fantasy purposes. It's kind of interesting because you know for general prospect ranks he still ranks pretty high, uh, but I think for fantasy purposes there's a reason he slides down. His real life value comes in the field, in my opinion, because he's an elite fielder with an elite arm. At the plate doesn't make a ton of hard contact, I and mean, he makes enough contact, but just not a lot of hard contact per se. I think he develops into like an average hitter with with average power. Again, he's still young, he's still developing, and I was actually pretty pleased with what I saw from Pache when he debuted last year. and We saw him in the playoffs, and if you saw, if you just look at the stat line, it's not that impressive. But in my opinion, if you watch the games, he really held his own at the plate against some really solid pitching when he he had to fill in after some injuries. So I I was impressed there. Again, we'll see how it all develops. Uh, At 20 years old, in 2019, he had – Uh, Average exit velocity around like 88 miles an hour, maxed out at like 107. I think he could grow into some more power, uh, but max, like at the very max, I think he gets to like 17 to 20 home runs in any given season. I don't really see it developing much more than that. Again, the speed's concerning because he's an elite runner, but he just doesn't steal bases efficiently. Now that could change. He could get coached up and they could really work on that, but it's just, it's hard to project him for fantasy purposes when you look and see average hitter, average power, but then with the speed, he just doesn't steal bases. So it's kind of concerning. It's a reason that he's kind of trended the wrong direction for fantasy purposes. So we'll see how it all plays out. I do like Pache still, but he definitely's falling fallen in my ranks. What about you? Let's, let's go to Tramiel. What's thoughts on him?
0: Yeah, real real quick on Pache, though. He has – yeah, he's fallen on my rankings, too. I did hear various people say that they were impressed with how he looked at the plate and some of the gains he made. But, yeah, I just don't think we're looking at a a fantasy star. I think he could be, like, fantasy adequate, I'll say, where I think he could be average to slightly above average hit tool where he's hitting, like, 270 to 280 in that ballpark. Um, Maybe – peak above average hit i think the contact skills are, are pretty solid but like you mentioned that the power well it's kind of come along a bit No, he didn't hit a home run at all his first two years which was 176 combined games and then the last two minor league seasons nine in 122 games and then 12 and 130 so it's coming along i think there's at least average power there maybe above average but like you mentioned the speed it's just he's not a good base runner he hasn't been over 50% success rate since 2017. And even that year, he was only at like 68 or so percent, which is still not good. First career, he's been caught 38 times in 96 attempts. That's not good. That's not going to get you the green light often at all. Um, but overall, you can mention very good player. Uh, I'd be happy if I was a Braves fan. I think he's going to be a very good player for a very long time. Just maybe not a fantasy star. And then with Tremel he is another one that's just kind of fallen down rankings But just after the one bad year, like before 2019, he was a top 25 guy. Or then he slashed 234, 340, uh, 349, 10 bombs, 20 steals, and 126 games in double A. And that 234 average just sent his stock plummeting to the point where he's, I've seen it outside of some top 100s. That's just, it's kind of, that's pretty low. That's really big overreaction in my opinion. Well, I have up and down into, think i have him in the 60s now he's still a he's still a very good athlete very high baseball iq you always hear how smart he is how hard uh, his work ethic is top notch like all those superlatives are there with with taylor trammell and there's plus or better speed there like he's still 41 bags back in 2017 he's he's another one he's not quite as bad as pache but uh he's not the most efficient on the base pass but still all i'll give him all right 110 steals and 147 attempts. Um, but he gets on base, career 363 OBP in the minors, walk rate well over 10%. Doesn't strike out too, too much. I think K-Rate's probably like a like a low 20s type of K-Rate with a, around a 11 or 12% walk rate. So even if the average is more like 270 or so, you know, average or slightly above average hit tool, he's going to be a good OBP guy, I think, because the walk rate has been consistently there. Every year he's been in the minor leagues, like he's barely underneath 10%, and rookie ball back in 2016. But he's been well over 10% every year since. Now you know he's in Seattle now, so he's in that outfield log gym where obviously he's behind Kalenic and Julio Rodriguez long term, and there's Kyle Lewis and there's Jake Fraley still there. Uh, maybe Marte moves to the outfield, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think he's gonna definitely get a starting gig at some point. Maybe not 2021. I think maybe they let him kind of just settle back into the minor leagues and probably double or triple A, probably triple A, um, see how he does, and maybe bring him up later in the year and then maybe he gets a full time gig in 2022. But I'm still I'm still buying in you know, to a degree. I think the power, you know, he has a he has a pull happy profile, doesn't have the power to support his pull happy ways. So, but I think he's gonna be like a 10 to 15 home run guy. Uh you know, mid twenties steals, like said, solid average, so you know, good OBP. So I think there's still a good chance for some solid fancy value here. So I'm buying low on Taylor Trammell. Are you doing the same?
1: 100%. Yeah. Uh, I love Trammell. I've still got him ranked pretty high. I've got him as like a top 60 guy. I think it's an overreaction to drop him out of the top 100, like you mentioned. And so I'm, I'm all on board there. I think that the talent's still there, even despite what we saw. I mean, the, the stats have declined. It's concerning. It's concerning to see him traded multiple times in the last um, – about a year's time like that's 100% concerning but I'm still on board man I really think that the stuff's there he can still be a 2020 guy I think so I'm I'm buying in still I think it's a good time to buy low absolutely now if you had to pick one of these two long term who would you take uh for fantasy I'd take Trammel even yep. though no, I will say there's a concern because the Seattle outfield that's the only concern there's so much talent
0: yeah there definitely is obviously you know Pesce is already kind of Looks like he cemented this spot in center field uh, with with Acuna flanking him. But um, yeah, I think I would I would agree with that. I think I'd go. It's it's close. It, it's not like a huge gap, but I'm still higher on Tremel. because he's shown me more in the minor leagues. I think there's you know he's a little more efficient on the bases. You know, power maybe slightly goes to Peche. Hit tools around the around equal. But um, yeah, definitely a good buy low on both guys right now. And then let's get into some of the guys that debuted last year or might make their debut this year. Let's start with JJ Blade. You know, that's the guy people are kind of asking, hey, where's Bladay? We had at least a few, uh, three or four people ask where, where we had him. Obviously, he came in at twenty-one for both of us, and then twenty-one on our consensus as well. So, Chris, let's talk a little bit about Bladay here. What could people be excited about when it comes to JJ Blade?
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely an intriguing blend of power with some with a solid hit tool I mean you saw he had a monster breakout in his final year at Vanderbilt he hit 27 home runs in 71 games and so just monster power I think he has a good field to hit doesn't strike out a ton uh, I would say don't be fooled by that you see the 27 home or 71 games don't be fooled by that he doesn't have that kind of power but 27 over a full season definitely a possibility he lifts the ball well doesn't hit it on the ground that often. I think it's a solid player here. I mean, I've seen him jump way up in some people's rankings, which makes me think twice, like, you know, maybe maybe what do they know? You know, what mm-hmm. could he be? And so I, he's one of these guys, and I think we mentioned it in text when we were talking about it. He's one of the guys I think would be much easier to rank if we had had a 2020 minor league season to see what kind of development there was. You know, some organizations pumped out good information from the alt sites. There wasn't much information on Bladé out there. The Marlins didn't pump out a lot of stuff, so it'll be interesting. Obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of guys that we see when they come up, and whenever they're playing minor league ball, major league ball, that we didn't see in 2020, they're going to surprise us. And and Bladé could be one of those guys. He very well could be, Um, but I do I'm intrigued by the the hit and power there for sure. Yeah, I am too. The reason
0: why I haven't moved him, you know, too too highly in my rankings. Like he's in my I think he's in my side of my top 50, but to, to move him up to where I've seen, you know, top twenty-five or so, it's hard to do that with, you know, no speed aspect. You have to be literally like Spencer Torkelson or Andrew Vaughn, and I don't think he's quite on that level. You know, he's a very polished hitter. Um, you know, at v- Vanderbilt potential for above-average hit plus power potential. So I think he, I think he could be a thirty-homer guy. Uh, I think we could see some low thirties at peak. Um, I think there's definitely that possibility with a, with a solid average, solid OPP as well. Like you mentioned, doesn't strike out too much. Unlike his uh, organizational brother in Monty Harrison, <laughs> literally springs at everything. I, I could probably strike him out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, very very high floor. One of those like if we ranked on floor, he'd probably be like top 30 for me. So I think he's the baddest. Is so polished. The you know, bat to ball skills. He can use the entire field. The feel for the barrel is great. Like you said, doesn't chase much. So I, I definitely think there's like a 280, you know, 30 home run kind of peak for him. Um, probably hitting somewhere in the middle of that Miami order. And he was from third to fifth, probably. He's that that type of hitter. Um, yeah, I def- definitely like uh, him a lot. Like so With Monty Harrison, though, another guy that debuted last year. Um, but again, just the swing and miss issues with Monty Harrison are just so robust. You know, he had one year he took out 215 times. In 136 <sighs> games, like that, that is uh, that's that's really really bad. I forget what I forgot what the number was um, for the strikeout rate. Let me do some quick math here. Mm-hmm. That was a 36.9 percent strikeout rate. That's not good. You that's you amazing. gotta love yeah. You gotta love that power speed though. Look, he could be a you know 20 homer bat, 20 to 25 bombs, kind of low 20s. You know, he's above average raw power you know, plus or better speed. So that's enticing, but the hit tool is just not there. You know, career 245 hitter in the minors, you know, struck out over 50% of the time in his uh, brief debut. He had 51 play appearances, struck out 26 times. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And I wouldn't necessarily kind of get off the bandwagon here, Amani Harrison and sell, 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 but, I think you've you got to got a hold right now because you won't get a lot for him with his, his bad debut, and his strikeout woes are well documented at this point. So I think you just got to remain in a holding pattern with him, see if the the hit tool can at least get to 45. I don't know if we'll ever see 50. I just don't see 50 hit from him ever. But if he can just be a 240 to 250 hitter, I think that'll let, at least let the power speed play a little bit. Um, to the point where he can be maybe a mid-round fantasy guy, but I don't think the hit tool is going to let him uh, get up to
1: up into you know, anything higher than that. Uh, are you are you still in on, on Monty? Are you kind of out at this point? Yeah, I think I'm out. And you mentioned, like I even wrote in the notes, upside for 25-20 type player, but it's like a huge long shot to hit because he can hit the yeah. ball, man. This, the speed's legit. The power's legit. Ton of untapped power. But, man, the strikeouts are just brutal. So I I don't see it panning out for him, sadly. Yeah, I I don't either. Like, it's hard for his career in the minors.
0: Thirty point eight percent strikeout rate, and like it's only gotten worse. Like, it hasn't gotten better. It wasn't like he was like thirty eight percent in rookie ball, and then it's gotten better into like the high twenties now. No, it's kind of gone the opposite way. Again, like like I mentioned, that thirty was a thirty seven percent rate in twenty eighteen, and then twenty nineteen, he did come back to earth, but he's still twenty nine point five percent. So, yeah, I just don't think the, the hit tool ever you know lets him get to where he could be, um, which is a shame because he's been, you know, that nice little power-speed blend uh, might just go to waste here. Um, but moving up to my neck of the woods here in, with my Boston Red Sox, Jaron Duran's a guy that looks like he's got a debut at some point this year, um, may, maybe even early in the season, depending if they don't fill Jackie Bradley Jr.'s role in center field. And then there's been trade talks, you know, kind of swirling of late over the last day or two that uh, Andrew Benintendi is being shopped around. And oddly enough, Miami Marlins are rumored to be one of the more serious suitors. Uh, we'll see. I'd love to get some some of those arms from that system that we kind of replenish our farm system. But Jared Duran, he's one that's been kind of up and down throughout his, his prospect career. Like we saw in um, 2018, he hit three thirty uh, three thirty but three fifty seven. excuse me, um, in the low, like Lowell and Greenville in the Penn League and the South Atlantic League, and then started off on a tear again, 2019, uh, in the High A Carolina League, hitting 387 over in 50 games. Then he got promoted to my park, Double A Portland in the Eastern League, and he was bad. Like he was, he looked overmatched. He was still stealing a ton. Like he had 28 steals in 82 games at the level but only hit 250, 309, 325. He looked overmatched. I saw him probably 75 at-bats or so. I was, I'm there twice a week, uh, sometimes three times a week, depending if my schedule allows. And he just did not look great. But, you know, a po- lot of positive reports out of him at the alt site this year that he lowered his hand slot, was driving the ball in the air more consistently, that, you know, the power was ticking up. So even with that, though, I don't think he's more of, you know, maybe 12 to 15 homers at peak. I don't think you're ever going to see him approach 20, but if he can at least get there, there's at least an average hit tool there. So average or slightly above average hit. You know, if he can just get to, like I said, 12 to 15 home runs a pair it with 25 plus deals. You know, I don't know if he's a leadoff guy. I'm kind of bordering if he's like a eight, eight, nine guy or, or a one, two guy. We'll see. I think there's definitely that potential for him, um, but definitely a guy that's on the rise in my rankings. I think he's up moving up in your rankings
1: too, isn't he? Yeah, and I think it's the perfect time to buy before the price really takes off because it could. It very well could. I mean, you mentioned that. I I was thinking if he could just grow into 15-home run power with the speed blend, the hit tool, that's a pretty legit player. I mean, he could easily be a 15-30 type guy with a solid average. Man, I mean, I'll take that all day. There's no problem to me in fantasy. Get some speed with power. And so I think he's been working on lifting the ball more in the outside, which has been encouraging I'm buying in. I'm excited. I think, like you mentioned, he could definitely debut this year. It would be exciting to see him. So I would go out and grab him now before because his value could really take off.
0: Yeah, he's he's already been shooting up a lot of rankings, some more than others. And obviously, you know, being on the Red Sox that always adds a little bit of you know allure to it. Not quite as much as like the Padres tax that we talked about, but you know, being on Red Sox or Yankees always or Dodgers. You know the the big franchises, the Braves, the Cubs. That always kind of makes the value boost a little bit more. So yeah, definitely a good time to get Duran. He's probably a debut. Uh, if I had to venture I guess, probably June ish. Actually, maybe even earlier than that, depending on how the rest of the offseason goes for Heim Heim Bloom and company. But uh, definitely a chance to be a uh, an impact player for both my Red Sox and for fantasy. And we had a, we had a few others that debuted last year too. You know, Liori Taveras debuted for the Texas Rangers, Jared Oliva uh, more briefly, but uh, he debuted with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Jesus Sanchez with the, uh, with the Miami Marlins. But, you know, Chris, any of those guys stick out for you? I guess maybe Liori Taveras because you know, he's looking like he'll maybe even lead off for Texas this year. Are you buying Leodi Taveras this year?
1: Yeah, and the price is really great. He's going at pick two hundred eight right now, and at that price, getting the the power speed upside is is really legit. And you know, last year he came up just one hundred thirty four plate appearances, hit four home runs, stole eight bases. Obviously, the batting average was concerning at two twenty seven, not great by any means. But I really do think he can develop into like a two seventy type hitter, fifteen twenty home runs, twenty plus stolen bases. It's a pretty legit player, and you know? You'd think hitting at the top of that lineup is also pretty great for him. And you may think the lineup might not be great, but they've definitely made some additions to it that I think makes them better. And so it'll be a, it'll be a decent lineup. And so it won't hurt him to, to be at the top of the lineup by any means. I think he needs to make a little more consistent, hard contact, but I think the talent's there. I I like Jared Oliva as well. You mentioned him. I'm not sure if he starts the year with, with the big league club again or not, but He's intriguing. I really do think that there's some upside there to be like a 260-type hitter with 10 to 12 home runs and 25 stolen bags. Uh, Obviously, not elite by any means, but certainly intriguing. And I think he's going pretty free in drafts right now. I know he's not projected to be in the starting lineup, but I'm definitely intrigued by that profile.
0: Yeah, me too. I've always been an Oliva guy. Um, and You look right now at the depth chart you know, Brian Reynolds and Gregory Polanco are in the corners. That's kind of been the status quo for the last few years, but Anthony Alford, a former top prospect, former Toronto blue Jay. He's the current projected starter in center field. So that obviously there's, there's not a long leash there. You know, if, if starts out hot and, uh, and Alford doesn't, I can see that flipping at very soon. Uh, Long-term. I I like, I like, I'll I'll leave it a lot more um, than Alford. Um, I've kind of been off Alford for a while. But yeah, definitely the speed is there, you know, at least double digit power, solid hit tool, you know, 270, 1025, I think it's in the ballpark. So yeah, a good like late round guy, get you some cheap speed. Uh, I think he definitely could. Same thing with Tavares too. I'm not super high on Tavares. I think long term, I think him and Oliver could be pretty, pretty close. You know, they both have kind of minimal power, but enough for double digits, you know, good speed, you know, so-so hit tool kind of comes and goes. Um, but, yeah, that, that Texas lineup, it could be interesting. It's, it's at least going to be interesting. I don't know if it'll be good or if it'll be bad. It kind of go both ways, but you look at it right now. They got Tavares leading off, uh, Kiner F- Falafa. I always butcher that name. Um, <laughs> hitting second, Willie Calhoun, Joey Gallo, Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, David Dahl. Odor's at ninth. You know, we a got to love O'Dorn, um when there's 200 OBP. But uh, that could be just an interesting lineup. If everything clicks, it could be a, a solid lineup. We'll see. Um, but definitely, there's no real challenger to the leadoff spot there. Maybe, now, not even Nick Solak. So, I think that they'll give Tavares some leash there. Um, good late-round asset with some good speed there. Could be a 25 steel guy this year moving forward. So, really like him, too. And the one that's really interesting from this group, though, for me, is uh, Jesus Sanchez, where the tools have always been there with him, but the production kind of hasn't. Like, he's kind of shown it in small bursts, but never really put it together over a full year like we thought he could. you look at overall in the in the minors, he's a 296 hitter. 296, 342, 459. But the power has never really, you know, he's a above average, the plus raw, maybe even more than plus raw power guy. You know, career high right now is 15 home runs and 117 games. Now the last three years where he's played 117, 117, and 113 games He's at 15, 11 and 13. You know, he's an above average speed guy, but he's never had more than eight steals. And you know, th- he could be a 25 Homer 15 steal type at peak. If everything breaks, right. But I'm starting to wonder if that's going to happen. You know, he, he doesn't walk a whole ton either. He's more of the high contact, low walk rate guys walk rates around like five and a half percent, but doesn't strike out too, too much either you know, under 20% K rate in the minor leagues. So he puts the ball in play and he, he does hit the ball fairly hard. It's just, the swing's kind of linear. Yeah, I, I don't know. What what do you what do you think of Jesus Sanchez? He's just one that's really hard to run for me right now.
1: Yeah, he's a pain in the butt, is what he is, man. When I mean, you look at <laughs> yeah. it, it's like, dude, this, yeah. this this the skills and the tools are can be elite. And it, again, he's just he's just continually falling. Uh, and it's even more concerning because the Marlins have a ton of outfield prospects that are vying for playing time. Uh he debuted last year. It was far from great. I uh, had a <laughs> 0.04 average and a 0.080 slug. I know it wasn't a big sample by any means, but still, you look at that and it's just wow. Big I
0: think he got his one hit like in his first game or second game. They went like, yeah, next, like 19 or something like that, too. Right.
1: It was like <laughs> maybe a hit in the first game, get people excited and then pff, down the stretch. But you know, I don't know. The tools are there, ton of raw power. It's kind of like Monty Harrison. I know he's not the I know his approach is not as bad, but, you know, most of his strikeout rates, Sanchez strikeout rates have been around 20%, you know, at least not around 30 like we saw with Harrison. But I don't know. The approach is just semi concerning to me. And I just really wonder if he ever taps into it at this point.
0: Yeah, they're kind of, even though their profiles are are different, they're kind of in that same boat where they just have, they've underperformed, and we gotta wonder if they're ever gonna reach their lofty ceiling. I think there's a better chance Sanchez hits it than than Monty Harrison, just because you know, the contact skills are, are so much better. But I don't know. I'm I'm still in on Sanchez, even though I've kind of been fading him a bit. I'm still in, so to speak. I think he's a a decent buy low now. Is the price tag I think is you know it's pretty deflated price value right now. So maybe we'd we'll look to see what you can, you know, what you can get, or how you can get him and how little you can give up to get him. in dynasty leagues. Um, his price that could go back up this year. Like he's a he's a guy that could shoot back up if everything finally clicks. Who knows? We'll see. You know, the opportunity is there. You know, we'll see if he gets some run this year. And Miami doesn't have a whole lot outside of starting with Marte. You know, they have some other you know decent guys in that lineup, but nobody that's really holding anybody back. So, they, he could get some run again in 2021, but he'll probably start out in the probably triple A, maybe back up midseason. So, just definitely want to keep an eye on uh, for sure. And then the last one here from this group that kind of intrigues me, Josh Lowe from the Rays. He's one that I saw uh, out in the Arizona Fall League uh, back in 2019, which was my last. Uh, actually, not, I did go to spring training, but you know my last real action there that I was really kind of doing scouting, quote unquote. Um, and he, like I said, he used one that really impressed me. He was one of the more impressive hitters in that league for me. You know, he hit very well um, throughout, but let's see where his stats here. Yeah, he slashed 327, 379, 558 out there with uh, seven total extra base hits in 15 games, two bombs, four steals, didn't get caught at all. That's, That's coming off his breakout year at AA Montgomery in the Southern League where he hit 252 but broke out to 18 home runs and 30 steals in 121 games. So he's one that, you know, he's, he had an injury he was dealing with but in, in 2020 or end of 2019, I should say. But he's one that I think can, you know, it's the race, So there's not like a huge opening for him, but he really has the, you know, the tools to be a, an impact player for fantasy purposes. I think there's above average, the plus speed there. The power is, you know, at least average, above average, and it's starting to really really show up more in games. He walks a good amount. Walk rates above ten percent in the minor leagues. There are some a little bit of chase issues, a little bit of contact issues. I don't think he'll ever be more than like a two sixty to two seventy hitter, but if that comes with fifteen to twenty bombs, twenty plus steals. I think he could be a you know pretty solid you know asset. He's kind of like a, a lesser, slightly scaled back version of Brandon Marsh. You know, I think the hit tool isn't quite there, but power speed I think is actually very similar to Marsh. Um, so that's why Marsh gets you know the higher grades because his hit tool is better. But you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of really liking Josh Lowe and he's got that you know the price tag is still pretty low on him, so I'm buying him. Are you doing the same?
1: Yeah, 100 percent And I've wondered why we haven't been ranking him higher. I mean, he's legit. I know the hit tool, the hit tool is probably the biggest reason that we haven't been ranking him as high, but I'm telling you, I like him a lot. Like you mentioned, there's an intriguing power speed blend. If you're in the OBP league, he definitely gets a big boost. He walks at it pretty high rate, so that helps his value a ton. My my biggest concern is the Rays, you know, just the, the organization, platooning people, and you know, there's not, they have 12 million hitters in the system, both in the majors and the minors, you know, I don't know where he fits. Uh, it'd be interesting. I, I do think that he could potentially play third. That's maybe the best place for him if there's an opening. Probably the best opening there is. I'm, the outfield's pretty clogged up with people. So I don't know. I just don't think he gets the respect he deserves, 100% percent buy especially in OBP leagues. If, if you're an OBP league and people aren't paying attention, dude, snag him right now. I'm telling you, he's real value there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's kind of a good segue um, to the next section here. We'll talk about some San Francisco Giants prospects. They have three that are pretty intriguing, especially with, with – you mentioned the OBP. You know, Hunter Bishop is one that if you play an OBP – you know dynasty league hunter bishop is a guy that should be a top 50 prospect for you you know you look at his his first year in professional ball is he was a uh, 2019 draftee so he only got that little bit of time after um, the draft but he only hit 229 in 32 games 146 plate appearances but his obp was 438 because he walked 38 freaking times And then pair that with five home runs and eight steals. Okay, granted, he was a collegiate bat playing in you know low A and rookie ball, so take that with a grain of salt. He was a little bit older than the competition, but it's it's not like this profile came out of nowhere. You know, he in uh, Arizona State, he was a big OBP guy. Had four seventy nine OBP his final year at Arizona State. Combined the hits. Uh, 32 home runs and 20 steals in 157 games over his three seasons there. I think he he's a big, big guy, but he's an athlete. He really is. Very athletic. Six, he's listed at 6'5, 210. He's plus power, above average to plus speed. You know, doesn't run a whole ton. So I think I don't think he'll be like a 25 steal guy, but definitely like 15 to 20 steals, 25 home runs potentially. Like this is a really big power speed guy. I think a lot of the pro, you know, people like. Uh, Heliot Ramos a little bit more and I do like Ramos too, but you know, I'm more Bishop. I don't know. Which, which way do you go here, Chris? Are you more team Bishop or team Ramos?
1: Yeah. Give me Bishop all day, man. I'm telling you he's legit. He he reminds me of Nolan Jones with more speed. Obviously Jones has a little better hit tool, but from an OBP standpoint, very similar, both have big raw power. Bishop can just run. And that's uh, makes them pretty close in OBP purposes, honestly. Bishop's legit. He's he's shown the ability to do it in, in both college. I mean, he played at a high level, and and then in the minors. I don't know, you mentioned he was definitely old for his age in the minors, but it's okay. I mean, the dude's legit. Uh, I'm buying all day. And I, I don't think people realize how valuable he is in OBP league. When I said that about Low. Same here, dude. Snag him up. Absolutely.
0: And with Ramos, he isn't hes not quite as big of an OBP guy. He's a 347 OBP guy through 261 minor league games. But you, know, you got to factor in that his kind of bad 2018, where he was only 18 in the uh, South Atlantic League when he had a 313 OBP there, that kind of played into that a little bit. You know, outside of that, he had a 404 OBP in 2017 and 369 in 2019 so i think he could be a a solid obp guy and obviously not not as much as hunter bishop but when, when comparing the two i think there's a better hit tool better contact skills i should say with ramos i think he'll hit for a little bit higher average probably you know 275 give or take i think he's in that ballpark slightly above average hit tool you know obp obviously go to ramos i think there's a little bit more power and speed potential with bishop than there is with ramos but you know, that's no slight to Ramos. He's still a top 100 guy, no doubt. I think he's in my 70-ish range right now. Well, Bishop's in, the, I think, the mid-50s. So um, definitely have him a little higher. Uh, Bishop a little higher, I should say. But definitely, Ramos is a very intriguing prospect as well. And then real quick here, before we hit the break, another one here that, you know, just ha- had an injury, so he'll be out uh, for a bit here. Al- Alexander Canario. And you look at his minor league career so far, and you got to be excited. You know, he's a guy, Like Matos is a guy that, Gets a lot of the talk here, but right, you know, look at Canario's numbers 291, 377, 505, 27 home runs, 30 steals, 170 games. I don't think he's that type of speed guy. Like 18 of those were in, in rookie ball in 2017. He's only had 12 cents, but this is a plus power average to above average speed guy, solid hit tool as well. So there's a lot to be excited about here too with Canario.
1: I agree. And uh, it's kind of a shame that he's dealing with an injury. We know that the uh, shoulder injuries can be a little concerning, but dude, he was really moving up for me in rankings. Uh, still young, very young. He'll be 21 in May. And the dude was producing, man. You just look at what he did rookie ball at 17. You know, he was solid power, solid slash line, good speed. We I mean, didn't see the stolen bases really. I mean, he stole 18 bags and, in. in 2017 and 2018 and 19 combined he didn't steal that many but man he's intriguing and i'm telling you he's a big talent he could be equally as good as luis matos without the recognition but we'll see how he recovers and that's that's the biggest concern there is the shoulder and how it plays out but now i'm a big fan of canario as well yeah me too no, we already talked about
0: Matos a lot, so we won't get really into him here. If you want to look at um, hear about him, we talked about him a ton in our uh, hitting breakout episode and our uh, future top 25 prospect episode where he made that. So that should tell you all you need to know about how we both feel about Luis Matos. But I- I'm going to put you on the spot here, Chris. Uh, and I'm not going to make you do your Matthew McConaughey thing right now. I'm going to do that for a later time. So i be <laughs> still be on the ball for that. But let's fast forward a few years here. Know, let's go five years out. So all these guys are probably in the majors by that point. Rank these four: you know Bishop, Ramos, Canario, and Matos. Who, like for fantasy drafts, who will be who's your one through four? Who
1: who would we be drafting earliest there? Still think I got to say Matos one. It's hard hard not to. Um, if you, if we're an OBP league, I'll go Bishop two. But if not, he he bumps down. So. I don't know. Those Those last three are close. Uh, I'll put Matos one, and then uh, let's just go Ra- Matos, Bishop, Canario, Ramos.
0: I'm the same. I think maybe flip-flop the middle two for, for average leagues. Um, yeah. No, maybe. I don't know. I love that power sweep blend of Bishop. I think I'm right with you, though. I know that's a tough question, though. There's a lot – very, very intriguing. Like Everyone talks about the Seattle duo and the Arizona trio, but – You know, these guys don't get quite as much recognition, but Shane and Fran's putting together a really good outfield core. And obviously you got to throw in Joey Bart and Marco Tiziano as well. Um, So there could be a a pretty good lineup here brewing for the giants over the next three to four years. So definitely be fun to watch uh, these kind of, these guys grow over the next few years, but we're going a little long here. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk some, some draft guys, some J2 guys, some breakouts, a lot of some 2019 J2 guys, a lot more intriguing guys. So, stick with us. We'll be right back. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part, it's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail
1: location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC.
0: Limited time offer. Terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. All right. Welcome back. So many good names we've talked about already. So many more to go. Um, But before we get into them, let's do some more ranks here. We did 21 through 40 For each of us to start the show. Now let's do 41 through 60 here. So Chris, who is your numbers 41 through 60 in your ranking?
1: Yep. Got a Hudson head at 41 followed by Jesus Sanchez, who we just talked about. Khalil Lee, Seth Beer, Peyton Burdick, Travis Swaggerty, uh, Pedro Pinda, who we're going to talk about. Uh, Gilberto Jimenez, Alex Free Freeplanes. God, we get all these tongue twister names in here. (laughs) Bayron Laura coming in at 50. Uh, 51, then we'll go to Leo Di Tavares, uh, Pedro Leon, another J2 guy we'll talk about, and then Benjamin Bailey, Jake Fraley, uh, Zach Deloach, Brent Rooker, Brenton Doyle, Monty Harrison, Jonathan Classe, and Jefferson Espino, rounding out 60.
0: A yeah, lot of intriguing breakout guys. here. A lot of these guys that you just mentioned, and a lot of the I'll, I'm going to mention here, are kind of lower-level guys with some breakout potential, but at 41 for me, Jesus Sanchez, and then Jared Oliver at 42, Hilberto Jimenez, 43, for my Boston Red Sox, Pedro Pineda at 44, Khalil Lee, 45, Daniel Cabrera, 46, Alex Flypernez at 47, the rest of the top 50, Zachary Deloche, Monty Harrison, and Alexander Canario, who I did have higher pre-injury. I think he, you know, before the injury, he was probably in, in the mid uh, the late 30s for me, in the Kind of the Laura, Duran, Luis Rodriguez range, but I did have to bump it down a little bit because of that shoulder injury. And then 51 through 60, Jefferson Espinal, uh, Espinal Peyton Burdick, Cameron Meisner, Pedro León, Andy Pages, Leody Tavares, the Dread Captain, Swaggy T, Travis Swaggerty, 80-grade name, I, so many nicknames with Swaggerty. Um... Kevin Alcantara from the Yanks, Jairo uh, Palmaras, another outfielder from the San Fran system, not quite on the same level as other other guys, but it shows you all the outfield depth they've acquired, uh, mostly through the draft and J2 there over the last few years. And then at 60, Matt Walner. So a couple guys here um, that are very intriguing in this range. and some of them were a little higher for you. Um, Let's talk about, you know, Bayron, Laura, Luis Rodriguez, Hedbert Perez, a lot of the the 2019 J2 guys, because we've already talked a lot about Hedbert Perez, so I guess we can focus a little bit more on Luis Rodriguez and Bayron Laura. You know, Chris, which one of these two uh, do you have ranked higher and who are you uh, higher on long-term?
1: I've got uh, Luis Rodriguez higher, but Laura's interesting. Uh, He's got a ton of power, and he probably had the best raw power in that 2019 international class last year. There's a lot to like here, and I was kind of hyped on him when he first signed. Obviously, haven't really seen a lot of him. Hoping that we'll get this, a full-season taste of him uh, this this coming year because I just want to see what he can do, man. He he signed a big deal, $3.9 million bonus, which was a pretty significant deal there um, for the Rangers. And the dude can hit. They He's built like Joey Gallo. I think he can do similar damage at the plate with that kind of power. The dude had ridiculous bat speed. Uh, obviously, when he came out at 17 years old, he's now 18. But, man, the, the bat speed was unreal. The elite exit velocities, big big power out to the field, all fields, really. And so I just think that he does have some concerns, swing and miss stuff specifically, because he is so aggressive. Just a very, very aggressive swing there. And that, I don't know. I think he could be very intriguing. I think you could see him pop up. Could he be Joey Gallo? Yeah, potentially. I mean, he has potential better hit tool than Gallo. Not hard to do there, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not difficult or anything. <laughs> no. But he's got big raw power, which is intriguing. But I like both him and, and Rodriguez a lot. Yeah, I, I do too. They're both fairly close to my rankings, but
0: Luis Rodriguez is kind of under the radar, everyone looks at you know, Dominguez and Pena those and Poisson. But Luis Rodriguez could be just as good, you know, maybe just as good as Pina and, and Poisson. Um, the, the, the thing is with him, I think that's the reason why he doesn't quite get ranked as highly as the other two is that he doesn't have like that one standout tool. But at the same time, he could be above average across the board. You know, he, he's solid defensively. I don't think it will be a standout there, but he's shown a great feel for hitting from the right side, quick swing. You know, barrel control is very solid for his age. Can use the entire field well. You know, it certainly to add a little bit of loft to that swing, but the bat speed is there. Makes, you know, he impacts the ball very well. So I think if he, if he starts driving the ball in the air more consistently, I think you could see that power tick up. Or I think he he could be a twenty twenty guy. Maybe even a little more power at peak. Maybe, you know, the speed drops down to the teens. But he's going to be a very good power speed asset. But like I said, one that's not going to stand out at either you know, add one of those tools to go along with a pretty solid average as well. So, you know, he's he's one that's going to fly. He doesn't fly under the radar. Everyone knows about him. Everyone's hyped about him. But, you know, just because you know Dominguez has the huge power and and whatnot, he gets all the all the pub right now. But Rodriguez is very very good. So don't don't underestimate Rodriguez. I think he's going to be a guy. Once um, once we see him get into game action here, hopefully <laughs> hopefully twenty twenty one. That He's going to be one that really, really shoots up rankings. I think for the most part, I've seen him a lot of rankings as like right around 100, give or take, 25 either direction. I think he could be a guy that we're talking about at least in the top 50 at this time next year. If we're doing these types of of episodes next year, we're talking about him ranked a lot higher. If he kind of showcases those tools um, that he's kind of flashing on the videos and the workouts, um, down in the Dominican Republic – or Venezuela, excuse me. Um, but, yeah, definitely one that I'm very high on. He said with Laura, too, that power. I think he's lower floor than Rodriguez, but that power is just so freaking good. Big body, you know, still pretty athletic, too. He moves well for his size, so I think he won't be a zero in the speed department, but maybe he adds a handful of steals a year. We'll see. But definitely that power is going to be uh, – his calling card always has, always will be. Uh, so definitely, definitely like him a lot long-term too. Texas has a lot of kind of intriguing prospects here. We have talked about, you know, Luis uh, Angel Acuna, Maximo Acosta, you know, Josh Young. So, you know, um Chert and Apostle in that system as well. Bubba Thompson, another outfield prospect. So a lot of intriguing guys here in Texas, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, very high in both these guys. So if you can go out and get Laura or Luis Rodriguez here uh, in dynasty leagues, I definitely recommend doing so. Let's move over to the 2020 draft class here. Let's go this this past draft class, and uh, there's a lot of intriguing outfielders. We already talked about several last week, you know, the Zach Veans of the world, but there's a lot more here that were very intriguing. And I guess we'll start with Isaiah Green because I know that's someone that you and I are both very high on. Um, I already have in my top 100. Is is he in your your top 100 too? It's just outside of it, but it's it's
1: pretty close.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of guys really close in that back end, top 100, or just outside of it range in my ranks too. But, you know, I I, I hate using this because I don't, it's not a direct comp to C.J. Abrams, but I think there's some similarities there in, in the tools and in the fact that it, once we see him, Isaiah Green, get in the game action, and if he kind of comes out hot like C.J. Abrams did after the draft in 2019 – we could see him skyrocket up rankings here. You know, the, the speed is easily plus, maybe double plus speed there. Again, you know, could be above average hit tool as well. He's shown you know a good feel for hitting, you know, makes a lot of contact. Power, like kind of with Abrams, is what kind of lags behind a bit. I think there is some power projection, but I think best case scenario, we're talking, you know, maybe fifty grade power with Isaiah Green down the road. But, you know, th- this is definitely. Very intriguing prospect. Just went over to uh, Cleveland. He was one of the return guys in the uh, Carlos Carrasco and uh, uh, Francisco Lindor deal. Um, So while the Cleveland fans on Twitter weren't necessarily happy with that return, I don't blame them getting rid of Lindor and Carrasco. But you got some good prospects back, some intriguing prospects, and Green's definitely
1: one of them for me. Yeah, and we've we've gushed over him in other episodes. He's he's legit, man. I'm telling you. People look at the where he was drafted at 69th overall and say, "Oh, he must not be that good." Yeah, he's he's pretty good, man. I'm telling you. Like you mentioned, there's not much else to say. I think he's a 20-30 threat with a solid batting average. Obviously, that's the upside. There's some risk here. He's a risky profile. But man, he's got all the skills in the world that you want to see. Great athlete overall. You mentioned great runner no doubt he can stick in center field that plus maybe even double plus speed dude's good <laughs> cleveland fans should be really really excited cuz i'm excited from a fantasy standpoint i'm stoked i think he was like easily like top 20 for us in fypds he's exciting
0: yeah very exciting you know another one here that is pretty exciting for, for for mets fans here they also drafted in, in 2020 they really hit on the first three picks with with green JT again in the third, and then this guy in the first, Pete Crow Armstrong. is actually someone I wanted my Red Sox to sign, but they passed on and got Nick York. I won't get into that again. But, uh, God, I wanted Pete Crow Armstrong or, or Bryce Jarvis but, or Garrett Mitchell. That's another topic for another day. But Crow, Pete Crow Armstrong, well, he's not quite as flashy as um, Isaiah Green. I think it's definitely – a bigger level of safeness here. You know, he's a pretty advanced prep bat for, for his age, you know, he's shown an above average hit tool plus speed, you know, power is where he kind of lags behind. He's a below average power guy. I don't think we'll ever see him. There's just some protection left in his frame too, but I don't think we'll see him get past yeah, maybe 40 fringe average power at best. I think that might even be a you know a little bit too high for even there. So maybe ten to twelve home runs, maybe fifteen at peak. But a guy that get for a solid average, you know, his bat speed's there, contact skills are there, you know, feel for hitting is there. He can use the entire field. And then he, once he gets on base, that speed is is plus. He could be a twenty five steal guy over full season. So while he while he's not colonic Mets fans or Kellenick, excuse me, uh, he's definitely a very intriguing prospect here. I, I know you're pretty high on him too, aren't you,
1: Chris? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's definitely solid. He's kind of like Kelnick light, <laughs> not quite as good. I mean, I, I,
0: I've used that terminology before where, yeah, he, he's like, if, if, if Kellnick is Budweiser, then, you know, PCA is, but kind of Bud light, or maybe Bud, <laughs> isn't there like a Bud, uh, what's that? Like the low calorie one, not Bud, light, it's not the one too, like Bud Select or something like that. Or, you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about? One, one of like one those. Cheer, cheer down. <laughs> yeah. Like he's, not, he's not quite that full flavored beer, but he's, he's, he's a, one that you, if you don't want to, you know, pay as much and get a little less calories, that that's uh, Peter Armstrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's intriguing. He's got a solid hit tool, good speed. The power's kind of lagging, but honestly, I when I saw Kelnick come out in the draft, I thought that his power was lagging. So, I mean, PCA could definitely grow into that. I mean, he's he's got a frame that does look like he could add a little weight to. So, definitely could add a little power to that. But yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm I'm definitely intrigued by him. There's a lot of interesting outfielders actually from this signing from this MLB class, and even the the J two signing. So, a lot of guys to like here. He, honestly, is Grady Sizemore a fair comp? Like, is that a similar comp to PCA? You think? I don't think he'll strike out as much as
0: Sizemore, but yeah, I I, I can see that. That's that's kind of in the ballpark. What yeah, it kind of it really came into mind when I was thinking about him. And Sizemore was very very good for a long yeah. time. People kind of forget that, but he was very good. He was. I think he was even was he a first round fantasy guy at his peak like that that one after that one year he, when he really broke out with the power. He
1: might have been. I mean, he was he was really good. We're talking like least 2000
0: what year was that like late like 2008 2009 maybe. I think that was about a little over a decade ago.
1: Yeah. Uh God, 06 maybe. 06 he hit 28 home runs, stole 22 bags, 290 average, 375 OBP.
0: Maybe that was it. Yeah, it was like the yeah. right in the beginning when uh, I was starting my my longtime homekeeper league with my buddies, which we started yeah. in 2006, and we were sophomores in high school. Yeah, I remember right in the beginning, the first few years of that league, Grady Sizemore was my, – my buddy, Dennis, had him. I remember that, and he <laughs> would not give him up for anything. I, I tried. I really tried to get Grady Sizemore, <laughs> but I remember he he was not budging. No, I picked
1: the wrong seasons. 08, 33 homers, 38 steals.
0: Oh, there it was. That's yeah, it. there there's the year I was that, thinking of. Yep. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, but like you mentioned, there's a lot of intriguing guys in this draft class. You know, we don't go too long as we already we already touched on some of these guys back when we, in episode one when we did our first year uh, player draft hitter review. But you know, a couple more here. Obviously, Heston Kierstad, big time power bat. You know, probably around average average uh, hit plus or better power, maybe double plus raw power. Um, should, should be a fairly quick mover for Baltimore. He went number two overall. Um, he's kind of a guy in the in the teens for me for first year player draft rankings. And Robert Hassel, you know, big time hit tool, one of the best prep bats in the class. Power is kind of lagging behind, but I, I could see if you know, there's some Riley Green in him where if the power develops. I think he could be kind of very similar to Riley Green, who's, you know, a top 25 or top 30 prospect for most people right now. And then, you know, Jake Vogel is another one where he kind of has that hit and speed profile. The power kind of lags behind, but I've heard even maybe this plus, not plus. Excuse me, uh, average uh, raw power there too. So Vogel's a guy definitely keep an eye on here. And then lastly for me, Jordan Jordan Nuogu Nuogu, uh, his name I'm going to butcher. I apologize, but yeah, uh, big time power speed guy there from Michigan. But hit tool is below average, so we'll see how the hit tool comes along here for him. But you know maybe he's another Monty Harrison type where the hit tool is. Doesn't let him get to that power speed as much as it should. Um, but definitely one to, one to look at here once he gets in the minor leagues and you know, gets to use um, you know all that data and whatnot and see if he can develop uh, the hit tool. So to at least if he can set the fringe average, I think that'll that'll be enough for that power speed. So he's definitely one here to look out for as as well.
1: Anybody else here that you really are keeping an eye on from this class? Uh, it hits on most of them, honestly. I mean, there's some intriguing late guys like uh, David Calabrese or – even Zach Deloach, he's kind of intriguing. PD Halpin, eh, he's one I'm intrigued by as well. So there's a lot of depth to it. And uh, like I mentioned, we mentioned this in the first two episodes, but this year's first year player draft is stacked. Honestly, like it's it's a great year to have a lot of picks, and it's it's very exciting from the international class to the MLB draft class. There's a ton of talent. It's just on display here in the outfield. A lot of guys to like for sure. Absolutely, and, and same thing with the J two. You know. Obviously, every J2
0: class, it's like pretty much you look at like the top 25 for a J2 class. It's It'll be like 15 to 18 shortstops, five or six outfielders, and like one or two pitchers. That's who's how it goes. Like nobody plays second base in, in, or first base or third base. You'll get a catcher, obviously a couple of catchers in there too. But, you know, with this year, the outfielders for this upcoming J2 class, which we'll be signing in a few days here on Friday on the 15th, you know, there's four that we have written down here: Pedro Leon, Pedro Pernada, youalki Cespedus, and Johnny Piron. Chris, who
1: here who do you like the who really sticks out from, from this quartet for you? Um, Leon's definitely one of the intriguing ones. Um, I'm pretty excited about him. The name that everybody's gonna be excited about is Sespedes, obviously. So he's he's the younger half-brother of Johannes. So that that name just brings a lot of hype around him not sure if it's completely warranted. I mean, he's talented. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But Pedro Leon's kind of been my uh, focus on the outfield. Like, he's been the one I've ranked the highest. Good athlete. Uh, I think he's got potential for five average or above average tools, honestly, just across the board. Very talented. Uh, Very short, compact swing that I like. Doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. And he shows good power potential to really all fields. Uh, Definitely – potential plus runner, good base stealing potential. I'm I'm definitely intrigued by what he has to offer just across the board. So Leon's definitely the one that I'm targeting and ranking first of the outfield group. And then, like you mentioned, I mean, Cespedes could be intriguing. I mean, the dude's just jacked and he's also 23, which helps him because he'll debut sooner. I don't know exactly when and how much seasoning he'll need, but he definitely is going to get there quicker uh, than these other guys who are younger because Leon is and Leon's a little older too. I didn't realize he was already 22. So definitely brings a little more intrigue there on him, which helps his debut some. It looks like he may go to the Astros. And we know Cespedes yeah. is with the White Sox, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and the thing is basically all these guys have pretty much been unofficially signed for <laughs> probably like a year's time. Yeah, like, at least. You, you start seeing these videos of guys when they're like 14 decked out and like you know, like Christian Hernandez with like Cubs gear and stuff. So like they they've basically had these deals done for a while. It's just kind of like not looked at by the MLB. They just kind of like, you know, turn their head to it. But it, <laughs> yeah. it's what's happening, honestly. And we all know that. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. But yeah, who who intrigues you the most of these outfielders? Yeah, MLB definitely
0: turns a blind eye. Like, oh, these guys. Oh, look. Oh, look. He, got, he signed with the White Sox. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We knew it. Everyone knew it for the last two years right you know? so uh, for me though you know it, it's interesting with the two older guys in leon and cespedes where both have a solid power speed blend there and you mentioned cespedes is absolutely jacked like he's, a, he's only about 5'9 five, 5'10 five, but that is like one sturdy dude where you know very strong very athletic and he's already 23 though so you know, and leon's 22 you gotta wonder in both of them you know the power speed is prominent but the hit tool it has little bit of some question marks around them, so you gotta wonder so they're already you know they're six or seven five or six years older than these other guys that are on the list you gotta wonder how the development you know kind of goes when they get to the states here next year or this year i should say or in 2021 now gotta remember that but definitely very intriguing both of them and then but Pedro Pineda is one that I think it might intrigue me the most from a long term perspective. Obviously, those other two will give you a more immediate impact. We'll be up next year or two, probably. But Pedro Pernita, I think, could be the best one out of the bunch long term. Uh, 6'2, 170, really big power speed blend. And he's still kind of growing into that frame, too. I think this could be plus or better raw power with above average or so speed, or at least average. But could be put you know a 30 homer and bat at peak obviously there's a long way to go he's only 17 I hope he'll be he just turned 17 a few months ago back in september too so um still very young but the power's there you know s- pretty good speed as well i think he could get to a slightly above average hit tool we'll see obviously the hit tool is always the the one i kind of question the most see how that develops um is it, the hit tool is it's hard to it's easy, you look at all these videos that we, we see of these guys from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Cuba, and it's easier to get a gauge on the power in those videos than it is the hit tool. Because, you know, for the hit tool, you got I'm seeing it in game action, and there's not a lot of video out there of these guys in game action, obviously. So we'll see how that develops once he gets you know, into minor league ball. Uh, it looks like he's going to sign with the Oakland Athletics. Uh, which will immediately make him one of the their top prospects in that system. That system's kind of a little bit down right now. after they've graduated some guys recently, but uh, I think he could be a guy that's, you know, valued pretty similarly to Robert Poisson in a few years. So uh, definitely a good m- kind of mid-round target in your first year player draft. Um, but yeah, very, uh, very solid J2 crop this year for shortstops and outfielders. But all right, let's get into our upside breakout guys and each episode as we always do. Now, we're going to do three of them here each uh, this week in this episode. So, Chris, why don't you lead us off? Who was your first breakout?
1: Yeah, the first one is Miss Ciel Urbina. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a huge riser in 2021. We know he he debuted in the Dominican Summer League in 2019, just 17 years old at the time. He really showed off, uh, hit 279, 382 OBP. Uh, 4.43 slug there. Hit just two home runs, but he did steal 19 bags in in 50 games, which was encouraging. His field of hit is really developing. I think the game power probably gets to average levels, and the speed makes him a real threat on the bags. (laughs) Also crazy that he walked 10.6% of the time, struck out just 6.5%. Yes, 6.5% strikeout rate. That's really good. And again, competition's different. We'll see how he looks there. I think the upside's there to be like a 280 hitter with with 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. So there's a lot of intrigue for me there. And so I'm buying in. He's a big breakout on my part. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing and watching him this season. How about you? Who's your first?
0: Yeah, that's a great pick. I looked at when you put your three on the sheet. I was like, God, those are great. Those are guys I was considering as well. So I I like Arbina a lot. My first I'm going to get to, though, is... Um, Ismael Mena who just went over from the Padres to the Cubs In the U Darvish deal Very, very high I mean, he's, he's already in my top 250 overall uh, Signed for $2.2 By the Padres in the 2019 J2 period Along with Reginald Preciado Who also went to the Cubs in that Darvish deal Big time power speed here He's a big guy He's six, listed at six, 6'3 I think he might be 6'4 or 6'5 to be honest with you He looks a little taller than 6'3 Um, Also listed at 185, but there's also been reports that I heard from multiple places that he uh, added a little bit of bulk over the last year. Uh, So he'll be one I'm definitely intrigued to see uh, getting the game action here in 2021. Uh, Left-handed bat, like I said, big-time athlete with plus to double plus speed. That's already, even if he, you know, with added bulk, I I think he's still going to be a plus speed guy, bare minimum above average. But with his athleticism and, and foot speed, I think plus is definitely within the realm of possibility, even with added bulk, and he's already flashed above average raw power as well. So, you know, with, this, with this added bulk, I'll be interested to see where he's at power wise in twenty twenty one. That this could be plus power, plus speed guy. Yeah, his swing already generates some solid, you know, natural backspin and loft thanks to a slightly uppercut swing path. You know, hit tools are on average right now, but quick hands. You know, but his swing is a little busier in the hands pre pitch. So I'd like to see him kind of smooth that out, but long term we could be looking at you know five hit, six power, six speed prospect. That I think he's a really really shoot up rankings in you know over the next year or two, kind of like Brennan Davis has over the last few years. Because I think the, the upside is very very high with Mena, and we'll see him gets in the in the cup system here in 2021. Gets in the game action. He's been going to be one I definitely keep an eye on uh, very closely here in 2021. Uh, and then my second guy here is a guy that's still in the San Diego system. A guy I've been very high on since the 2019 draft where he was a third round pick. And that's Hudson head. Uh, not quite as, as big as is my Almana, but he's 6'1", 180, but very strong frame. He'll be 20 in April. You know, electric bat speed from the left side of the plate. Kind of as solid, but didn't really stand out in the, um, didn't really have the big time stats in this debut, but slash 283, 383, 417, 11 extra base hits. One, one home run, three steals, ten point six percent walk rate, twenty point six percent strikeout rate. But Jason Panini, uh, I've mentioned this article many times because it was a great piece. His top one hundred uh, Arizona Arizona rookie league guys from twenty nineteen, and he had him ranked sixth as the most sixth most impressive guy that he saw in that league, as behind Luciano, Abrams, Witt, Cartea, Corbin Carroll right in front of like a ton of Cleveland Indians, Bracho Planez, Gabriel Rodriguez, Daniel Espino, and then a couple of nice uh, pitching prospects and Brandon Malone and Blake Walston. So that shows how highly Panini thought of him. And I think very highly Panini. So definitely um, value what he has to say a lot. And there's still some production left on heads frame as well. And he's already flashed above average power. So I think he could be a plus power, you know, slightly above average speed guy. he's above average now but maybe you know with added bulk and physical maturity maybe he gets more closer to average speed but still could be a 25 homer bat 10 to 15 steals above average hit tool like i said he's at quick hands really great bat speed um can really barrel up pitches and drive them with ease to all fields so uh, he's definitely one i'm very very excited about uh getting into uh, seeing him again here in 2021 after his impressive debut but who do you got for your other two guys
1: yeah, next guy is uh, Brenton Doyle over there in the Colorado system, the dreaded system. But uh, he was selected in the fourth round of 2019, came up and just looked dominant. Man, 215 plate appearances, of rookie ball, hit eight home runs, stole 17 bags with a 383, 477, 611 slash, which was very, very impressive. Despite the high average, though, there, there are some concerns with a hit tool speed's definitely plus. I think the raw power's plus as well. Uh, still developing some some game power there. But Doyle is one that I think we're both higher on than most. And I would be very intrigued to watch his development long term. Uh, he's, a, he's a little older prospect, but I do think that he could really do some damage, man, with that power and the speed, especially if they commit to playing him and he gets his home games and cores. That would be something to watch out for there. And my last guy is uh, Jonathan Class A. Uh, he debuted in rookie ball in 2019. He slashed 300, uh, 434 OBP, just a 444 slug. But uh, he did hit two home runs, 31 stolen bases. That's what impresses me. 31 stolen bases during that time and 286 played appearances. The dude won't even be 19 until May of 2021. And so you think back, he did all of that at 17 years old. Reminds me a little bit of Malik Smith with, like, more power. I think he could develop into, like, a Lorenzo Cain-type player. Obviously, that would be, like, a higher-end outcome, but he he can. I mean, he fills out the frame a little more. There's been reports that the power's been developing there, and obviously, like, he's a, an elite runner. And so if he can just hit 12 home runs a year with that speed potential and the solid hit tool, I'd say really watch out for him. I think he's, he's going to be a big riser this year. Very excited about the development. I've seen some some good numbers posted on both his uh, exit velocities and, and his run times, which are pretty impressive. So, guy I'm really looking out for in 2021. So, I'll turn it back over to you for your last guy, and we can wrap this show up.
0: Yeah. And my last guy here, I wrote down that you, you can describe him pretty simple. Monster upside, but hit tool needs work. And that's Jordan Adams from the Angels. He's a guy where I've always loved the power speed blend where he could be plus power and plus double plus speed. Huge athlete, but also played football in high school. I think he was an all pro receiver if I recall. Right. Um, And I think he had some, um, some collegiate offers for football as well, but maybe I'm wrong there, but um, he did. He did. Yeah. A lot of of, even like sec schools were accrued him. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. Chris would know because Chris lives right in the heart of sec country down there, but you know, but the hit tool, like I mentioned, does eat some work here. But at the same time, he has made strides there. When I wrote up my um, first year player draft rankings article for for that draft class, the 2018 draft class, I remember, you know, there was a kind of a hitch in his swing and a really kind of weird hand load where he remember he kind of went back and then up. And then kind of made, kind of dipped his front shoulder down. It was kind of weird. And then, you know, it made for a longer swing. He still has a longer swing. Um, there's still, you know, he's long with the hand motions. And he still has a, a deeper hand load, longer swing. But it's gotten better. It's not quite as herky-jerk anymore. It's a little more fluid. But I'd like to see him kind of shorten up the hand motion, be more direct to the ball. I think he could get to around, you know, an average hit tool if he can do that. Because once he gets going, the bat speed is pretty solid, and he's showing. A, Decent enough contact skills. He's not gonna be a, a high average guy or a guy that you know just walks a crap ton. He's like I I don't think he's gonna be a top of the order guy. We'll say maybe with that speed. Um if, if his approach can improve. I think he could be top top of the order guy. But just that power and speed is just so, so intriguing. Where, you know, I, I'm banking on him for kind of figuring it out to the to the point where he that power speed at least plays close to what it could be. we could be looking at really could be looking at twenty 25 homer guy, 30 plus steals. That's intriguing. He's, he's Monty Harrison with a better potential hit tool. So I'm, I'm kind of done with that hit tool with Monty Harrison, but I think Adam still has some potential there with the hit tool. So that should be all you need to know about Jordan Adams. He, he's still very young to just turned 21 back in mid October. Um, it's so probably, you know, maybe high double this year we'll see. Um, but definitely one that could be, you know, if he, put together a pretty good season here in 2021. You're going to be looking at him top 50, maybe top 25. That's that's the upside that Jordan Adams has. But that's going to wrap us up here. That was another great episode with uh, with you, Chris, here, talking some outfield prospects. That'll wrap up our outfield talk. It's been, been a fun couple episodes, but next week we're moving in the pitchers, and that'll be probably another two-parter for, for pitchers. Obviously, there's so many pitching prospects to talk about. Um, but we'll get into that next week. That's going to be a fun one as well. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at Roto Clegg, And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. We'll get some tweets out with our contestants rankings here later on in the week, as we always do. And we'll be back with you again next week. And until then, take care.